You're listening to the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast, where we want to inspire parents to make faith in Jesus the priority of their families. Thank you all for joining us and for listening in. My name is Todd Lesher. I'm your host. We've got some great guests today. I've got Troy Thornburg and Byron Ruff with us here today, and we're talking all about the art of neighboring. The whole month of October, our preschoolers through adults are talking about how to be good neighbors in our neighborhoods and our schools. My guests today are passionate about the local schools and how students can be good neighbors to their peers around them in a way that reflects Jesus. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Good to have you here. Good to be here. Byron Ruff, Urban Director for YCI. Uh, Just uh, looking forward just to this conversation. I think it ties in uh, very well to what we do uh, here at YCI and just uh, neighboring where our schools in the area. And so looking forward to just a rich conversation to be intentional with our neighbors. Me too. Thanks for being here, Byron. Mm -hmm. I'm Troy Thornburg. I'm the director of operations for Youth Commissioner National. I'm uh, married, got two kids, um, moved down here from the north a few years back, and uh, love love being in here in Charlotte. Uh, actually, attend the Waxhaw campus of Forest Hill. Excellent. Well, glad to have you guys here, and can't wait to share all about YCI and the work that you're doing in local schools throughout our communities. So before we jump into our conversation about neighboring, why don't you just give us an update, insight, background, anything you want to share about YCI. You could talk for two hours if you want to and turn this into the YCI podcast. But tell us about the work you're doing in local schools throughout the Metrolina area. Well, as much as we'd love to talk for two hours, I don't think your guess, your, uh, your listeners would appreciate that as much. I just started um, the timer. Okay. <laughs> Um, YCI, was, uh, YCI stands for Youth Commission International. We were formed back in 1997 by a group of business leaders in Charlotte who just cared deeply for um, students and saw kind of the uh, way our nation was going, saw how um, prayer was not allowed in school anymore, saw the need for the gospel to be on a school campus. And so through just their prayer gathering, um, our organization was birthed. And so what YCI exists to do is to identify, train, resource, and then commission middle and high school students to start student-led Bible studies on their school campuses. Um, uh, In the 20 years we've been around, God has just kind of helped us really grow beyond just Charlotte. We're actually in, um, throughout all the Carolinas, um, we're in three major markets in Greenville, Asheville, um, Charlotte, and then we're looking to launch in Charleston actually in the next few weeks. So God is is doing some pretty cool things, um, not just locally, but all throughout the Carolinas to see, see students share the gospel in their campuses. Way to go. Just to be more specific, uh, our clubs are, they pretty much have their own DNA. Mm -hmm. Each club does not look the same. Uh, but just from a snapshot, uh, early in the morning, our students gather together in a, in a free space in the classroom, mm-hmm. uh, guided by our t- uh, teacher sponsors. And so normally what takes place is a student will say, hey, I want to start a Bible club. They'll get a, a teacher to pretty much approve that, hey, you can use my space so you can all come together. We can do devotion together. We can worship together. We can pray together. We can cry together. Mm-hmm. Whatever expression mm-hmm. uh, that they want to do, that's what takes place. Yeah. Uh, and many of our clubs, our teachers are, are believers, but we do have clubs where our teachers are not believers, mm-hmm. but they is still allowed to access yeah, and so uh, we we just don't limit it to the students so we have many faculty that we what we find out is they're strong believers but they don't know how to express their faith mm-hmm. and so when they see students leading then it causes the faculty to come in and so uh, in particular one of our clubs at Rocky River mm-hmm. the principal the teacher I mean we have faculty in, the, in those uh, those meeting places all the time yeah. and so it's, it's quite a sight to see That's fantastic. and so uh, our, our goal is you know hopefully we can touch every school mm-hmm. uh, that's same, same with the church you know we try 
trying to touch as many people as uh, possible. Yeah. And we just hope that, you know, the more that we continue to uh, spread our wings and, uh, and get on different campuses, that they'll do the same. As Troy said, the, the basis of it is being student-led. And mm-hmm. so we want the students mm-hmm. to take charge of their faith. Yeah, that's really good. And I don't know, fun fact of the podcast is I've been associated with YCI for probably 14 to 15 years when I was student pastor at our South Park campus. Some of our students were some of the student leaders at YCI, specifically at Mars Park High mm-hmm. School. So this goes way back. So, you know, some of the yeah. credibility comes through time mm-hmm. yeah. and the investment that is made. And then the additional fun fact is that my middle schooler just went to first priority uh, mm-hmm. for his first time, sixth grade year, and came back saying that he loved the student leadership there, mm-hmm. that it wasn't an adult yeah. speaking, right. that they're just accustomed to, right? You go to mm-hmm. church, it's going to be an adult. Or you mm-hmm. go to school, it's going to be an adult. But they showed up at first priority, and they said, hey, it was a student speaking about their faith. Mm-hmm. So that made an impression yeah. on him. So thank mm-hmm. you, guys. Yeah, a big part of our heart is we believe that students can reach students with the gospel. Uh-huh. I mean, one of our yep. staff members, Grant Geisler, actually kind of felt a call into ministry when he started a YCI club back when he was in middle school. And oh, wow. now it's cool to see that come full circle as yeah. he has now come on staff and he's helped grow us so much. And we've been around long enough that we've actually started to have second generation students where we actually met a, a mom who was a YCI a student back in the day. And now her middle schooler is at her same mm, middle school yeah, yeah. as a YCI student. Just seeing that longevity and that generational faith yep, is, is, a, that. is a really cool thing to see as, yeah. as a ministry grows up. Well, let's go there. Let's talk through mm-hmm. some of the stories that you know inspire you all to keep up this good work with YCI. What's happening in YCI these days? You know, it's, it's funny. Um, I recently just had, a, I won't say an incident, but an experience and it kind of ties in with, you know, with the art of neighboring mm-hmm. where I was at Philip O'Berry and uh, kind of talking with the teacher sponsor about relaunching. Well, not relaunching, but getting everything kicked back up again for this school year. Mm-hmm. And there was a passive buyer that had been hanging around the school that had been, uh, I guess, severely going through a lot of stress, a lot of uh, life issues. Mm-hmm. And this person turned out to be was very suicidal. Mm-hmm. And so one of the um, one of the staff members, they said, hey, I know you're a believer. Would you mind talking to this gentleman? Mm-hmm. Spoke to him, kind of gave him my story how, you know, I kind of came through uh, corporate America and what led me to a youth commission, mm-hmm. and I was able to minister to him and pass him you know, my, my, my contact information mm-hmm. and contacted one of our uh, potential donors for uh, one of our fundraising events and said, hey, you know, I told the gentleman's name, what he was going through in life, told him that he was also a believer, mm-hmm. and said, would you be open to, you know, looking to him as far as hiring him? Mm-hmm. And he, he said, hey, pass on his resume. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, those are the type of experiences that we have, yeah. you know, um, our base is—it's it's funny. It's just how God works. We have one plan, but God's plan is so much bigger than That's ours. Right. Yep. And so, yes, we want to be intentional with our students and leading their faith and you know expounding on their faith and their beliefs and their spreading their wings. But God has said, you know, I want you to touch all walks of people. Mm-hmm. So yes, we have students in mind, but you know, you have this right, man right, on the right. corner that's right. going through. God's and up to something. God's up to something. Yeah. So that was that. That was definitely the most recent experience. It was just like, wow, here I am coming to you know here what I thought was my assignment, but God had a different assignment. Yep. And so that's why it's just important just always you know uh i won't say be in place but just be obedient mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. because here it is i'm at a club and i'm saying okay same old same old you know uh-huh. i'm gonna go ahead and talk to this teacher and we're gonna get this uh, club launch and god said hold on i got something different yep. plan and yep. so you know it's just it, like i said it goes back to that lesson that we're all in this walk together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's good 
So one thing I'm really passionate about is is students leading their friends to know Christ and having the tools in their tool belt to know how to share their faith and then help their friends take that next step with Jesus. Um, I'm a Christian today, um, not because of the fact I grew up in church or because of the influence of a pastor or my parents. I'm a Christian because a guy named Phil and a guy named Jeremy met me um, when I was at church camp, and they really spent a year pouring their lives into me, sharing the gospel with me, loving me and my brokenness. And after a year of that, like the gospel finally clicked. And, and I don't know where I'd be if it wasn't for guys like that. And so yeah. that's a, the story I tell a lot of our students is you don't know where people are and what God can use them for. And so um, there's a story I want to share just real quick of Cuthbert's in Middle School. This is a yeah. club that we've had on our books for a few years, and it's never been very big. It's always been 15, 20 students. It kind of had uh, – we struggled getting students to kind of step up and own it, and so it was a lot of, a lot of the adults, mentors, and the teacher sponsors kind of taking a lot of ownership of that. But just this past fall, they, they really kind of caught the vision for student leadership. And so as that leadership club was meeting over, over the month of August and September to prep for See You at the Pole and their club launch, they were really intentional to be active in sharing about club, inviting, and really pushing for a more student-led um, piece to club. And at their first meeting this last Thursday, they had 85 hmm. students show up in this like tight little classroom. Uh-huh. And so it was, it was cool to see the energy. And so many of the students who come, we came to find out, weren't even Christians. They had just been invited and they wanted yeah. to go because someone cared enough to invite them to come to club. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's the start of where we just got to introduce the idea of this is what the gospel is and this is what Jesus wants to do in your life. And right. our heart is that that club will continue not just to seek numerical growth, but will seek to pour its life into these students who don't know Jesus and who don't have that relationship. And I think that um, that's just a picture of what we get to do every single week at right. YCI. And the thing that I, I, I want our listeners to hear, because we have a range of listeners, we have parents of newborns mm-hmm. to parents who have adult kids, and the message that we can get about adolescent culture, whether that's you know your fourth grader, fifth grader, your middle schooler, into high school and into college, is they're godless. And they're really not interested in God, and the schools are shut off to any form of Christian religion mm-hmm. in that way. But YCI is doing the good work where we go, okay, we are under the impression that church and state are separate, mm-hmm. specifically in the schools. But like you just both shared, is God is still present in our yeah, schools, and there are students who love Jesus and want their friends to have a relationship with him, too. Are they going to get it perfect? No, that's not the standard, you know? <laughs> but that's where we can get tripped up sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I want our listeners to hear that. Be encouraged, because mm-hmm. God is not done with people. He's not done with our country. He's not done with our schools, and he uses the most surprising of people, right? <laughs> Just put a sixth grader up on a platform and go, talk about Christ, mm-hmm. not polished, mm-hmm. not, maybe not the most articulate, but when they have that passion, when they realize that, that God has a plan for them, Jesus died and rose again for them, mm-hmm. it does something to them that convinces their peers that Jesus is worth following as well. So that's, you can, if that's all you got out from this podcast, then go with that. Pray for YCI, but we're going to continue on with part two. So let's dive into the art of neighboring conversation here. So for someone who's unfamiliar with the art of neighboring, we've got a ton of churches throughout the Charlotte area who are part of this. How would you describe it to them? Where would you start, Troy? The art of neighboring is more than just 
carving out a little bit of time in our schedule to, or, or forcing ourselves to have time for our neighbors. And it's it's more than just a program that we do to check, like check a box on a right. to-do list. The art of neighboring really involves uh, the body of believers taking the gospel outside the, the four walls of the church building and intentionally seeking ways to include the gospel in, in, in our daily lives with those who live near us and the natural rhythms of our lives. Um, th- this can be s- as simple as taking walks in the evening in your mm-hmm. neighborhood and just as instead of just walking by people as as they are checking the mail or when they're out doing yard work, saying hi and getting to know their story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually just talked to a lady this afternoon who said that she's actually started inviting the people she works with, the other ladies in the office, to go out to lunch with her. Mm. It's a natural yeah. rhythm. We need to eat food every day at lunch. And so <laughs> instead of just going to Chick-fil-A by herself, she takes a few other ladies from the office yep. into her natural rhythms to get to hear their story and begin to um, share about her own faith and her own story in a way that's not gimmicky, it's not forced, it's just I recognize there are people around me and, and God cares about their story, so I should care about their story. Hmm. So to me, that's that's a lot of what the art of neighboring looks like. It's looking for those yeah. open doors um, to allow us to build opportunities, uh, to build opportunities to, to share the gospel. Right, and to jump off that, there's... You know, the teaching that it comes from, Matthew 22, help me out here if I'm off, but when Jesus said, the greatest commandment boils down to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. And I've heard this series kind of described as, when it comes to love your neighbor, because we live in a global society where I can have a neighbor in India or Mm -hmm. Korea or Australia just through the access of the internet, Mm -hmm. then everyone's my neighbor, obviously. Well, who do I neglect and forget? The people who live next door or who are in the office just down the hallway from me. So what this series is really trying to challenge us and remind us of is that the kingdom of God cares for people around us different than our nation does. Right? Where nation is like who's in, who's out. It can even be wrapped up in some form of tribalism, right? Or prejudice that can get in the way. But when you go, hey, I'm in this time and place, in this house, in this apartment, in this neighborhood, because God said it to be, then the people around you become a purpose greater than just, hey, I need to borrow some flour or I need someone to babysit my kids. It expands beyond that to go, the kingdom cares greater than our nation does. That's kind of uh, the summary for me that just as you were speaking, it made me think of that. Um, Byron, how have you been inspired and challenged by the concept and the series of the art of neighboring so far? Yeah, I mean, it's a very practical uh, approach, uh, I believe, with a spiritual impact, uh, getting outside of that bubble. Mm-hmm. I really just think about myself, how I came here from Chicago, and uh, me and my wife, we would have never made it without the support of our church. Mm-hmm. We, we would not yeah, have made good. it, you know. And so having that support from people that we did not know. Mm-hmm. And, and as I said in the lesson, first those are acquaintances, you know, and then they mm-hmm. become family. And now they become real practical relationships mm-hmm. that make an impact in your lives. Yeah. And I talk to other family members that have relocated that don't have a church home and they, they're they suffering. Mm-hmm. They say all the time, you know, we try to do this. We try to do that. We don't have anyone to wash the kids. We, yeah. You know, we don't have anyone to pull the trash can to the front. Mm-hmm. Just little things that make, yep. you know, an enormous amount of impact on their home. And so uh, just just with this whole lesson, I believe, you know, it's, it's what God has called us to do. Yep. He has called us to, to get outside of that, that bubble. And mm-hmm. I was telling Troy downstairs, we were talking about the lesson. Uh, you know, many people travel across seas to do missionary work, yet they don't know the person next door to yes, them. Yes, yes. You know, in, in my community, yep. we, uh, in our cul-de-sac, we have an Asian family, we have an African-American mm-hmm. family, we have uh, a Hispanic family, we have all these different walks of family. And I'll tell you, 
it, 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 it convicted me. Hmm. Like the only person I probably really deal with is the person that's directly next door to me. Mm-hmm. But in that entire cul-de-sac i don't know their name it's a guy across the street he's giving me help so many times yeah and i feel bad because i always say hey what's up <laughs> i do not know his name <laughs> and what's I up feel, buddy yeah, yeah, yeah. i do not be, and i'm like yeah. hey like hey barn i was like hey yeah. <laughs> what is his name you Mom, know all right <laughs> and so you know yeah. and so it, it definitely really uh causes you to put a mirror in front of your face and say mm-hmm. man how can i live better yeah. You know, uh, I think sometimes when we think about being a good steward of this earth, you know, we think about, you know, not littering, you know, recycling things of that nature. But what about the people? Because the people is the most valuable resource on this earth, mm-hmm. you know. And so we have to yeah. not only feed ourselves, but feed other people and, mm-hmm. and enrich mm-hmm. them because people are going through things. Yeah. And we're the only I, I'm trying to remember a scripture where it says, you know, how can you love me that you've never seen mm-hmm. and not love the one that you yes, see every yes, day? Yes, yes, yes. And so yeah. uh, so yeah. we definitely have to kind of take that approach where you say, you know, love the people that you see every day you know pour into them because they'll pour back into you you never know you know what you'll get out of someone else you know we can't live in that bubble and live secluded because we'll die the truth is it's easier to love someone across an ocean than it is to love those next door or even in our own house you know it's like because we can go and come back and say we did something good Mm -hmm. but maybe the more challenging practice but the more immediate is the person next door, person mm-hmm. across the street, person across the hall, person at the desk next to you or the lunch table. So that's where I'd like to go next. Troy, what does it look like for a middle schooler or a high schooler to be a good neighbor in their context? This is really hard for a lot of middle schoolers and high schoolers because so often students don't feel comfortable in their own skins even. Mm-hmm. And so for them to step out and put themselves at risk to to invite a friend, to yeah. to speak with someone not in their social circle, that's a natural rhythm for them, is a risk. But for to be a good neighbor, that's what Christ has called us to do is to, as Byron just said, like to love those who are near us. Mm. And that mm. can mean as simple yeah. as inviting someone into your social circle because no one wants to be alone. So good neighboring in middle school and high school is just that it's that practice and that present, uh, the practice of being present with your neighbors. It's yeah. a practice of um, showing kindness and love and mercy. And it's in practice of inviting them into your story as well, because so many students that we talk to feel alone. They feel that there's, they don't have a circle of friends. And so bringing them into your circle, whether that's your YCI club or inviting them to your church, those things let people know like you're important enough as a person that I'm willing to, to bring you into my circle of trust, my mm-hmm. circle of friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's just a real simple, practical way. Yep. That's awesome. Uh, I would say, you know, you know, I was thinking, thinking uh, what's funny is as technology has made this world smaller, mm-hmm. it's also widened the gap of person-to-person interaction. Yeah. If you think about when we were coming up as kids, when parents said, go to your room, mm-hmm. that was punishment. <laughs> now you tell kids to go to your room, they're like, cool. That's I was going anyway. Yeah, I'm going anyway. <laughs> get on my phone. Get uh-huh. on Snapchat. Get on Instagram. Yeah. You know, and I'm going to seclude myself. Mm-hmm. And so I think for middle school and high schoolers, uh, it, it has become a little different. And yeah. I think, as Troy said, it's it's a little bit more difficult for them. Mm-hmm. Just think about just uh, something as practical as dating. Yeah. Before, when you courted a you know a male or female, mm-hmm. you went and asked for their phone number mm-hmm. or you said hello. Yeah. Now you send a, a message yeah, through DM yeah, or you something DM, like that. Yeah. Like their picture. Yeah, that, yeah. That's the initial interaction. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not personable at all. Mm-hmm. You know, and so uh, it, 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 definitely, it definitely takes effort for them to, to kind of step outside of that bubble. 
Um, but I do believe, uh, you know, with the changes that you can still use those means and use those tools mm-hmm. to interact with your neighbor. Yeah. You know, uh, you may not be comfortable speaking with someone you don't know. Yeah. But, hey, like a couple of uh, other pictures on the post and they're not uh-huh. okay. Either they like me or they're interested, you know, whatever it is, you know. And now or they're creeping. There on. you go. <laughs> right, it could go either way. Uh-huh. But uh but definitely, you know, uh, you know, just you know, just inviting someone for lunch. Yeah. You know, uh, hey, you know, we're going to the football game this weekend. You want to join us? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, we got the little uh cheer section. You want to join in with us. And so, uh just taking that approach where when you see someone maybe in the cafeteria sitting alone by themselves, go over there and say, "Hey, you yeah. know, either do you mind if I join you or come over here with us?" Mm-hmm. And so there's just so many different, you know, ways to do it, but um, you know, and and I believe, you know, e- even as adults, like you said, the kids probably just don't think about it a lot of times. You really yeah. don't think like, "Man, this is not really loving my neighbor." Mm-hmm. Especially you have the believers on campus you know uh i think this lesson will really make them be more intentional about uh uh you know scoping out those students that you know you typically don't speak to that look different that dress Mm -hmm. different that speak different that maybe not be the popular kid you know well and the even just the the phrase neighbor Mm -hmm. can throw a student off Mm -hmm. because oh you must be talking about the neighborhood i live in Mm -hmm. where my home or my apartment is but Jesus' teaching is, like like we've been saying, love those who are near to you. Mm-hmm. So who's sitting in the decks next to you, who's at the lunch table, whose locker is next to yours, below yours, or above yours? Are you aware of those people, conscious of them? And just like the practical examples that you were given, are you praying for those people who are around you? You know, when you sit down at your desk and get your notebook out or you get your textbook out, can you pause for a moment and just go, hey, I pray for this person on my right, in front of me, behind me, and to my left, just that you are including them in the fact that this is my neighbor, the one near to me, and this is the one I'm called to love. Well, let's let's put it in the parents' court for a second, and let's talk about being parents, for one, but then how can parents model and encourage their sons and daughters to be good neighbors? I would say no matter what the age, um, it's what gets celebrated gets repeated, yep. and so as as I'm trying to raise my, my children, I've got a seven and a five year old at home. Um, the art of neighboring for them just looks like how can you how can you care for the least of these? Um, my, my son has um, multiple severe food allergies, um, and so he when he first started school he had to sit at at the peanut tape the peanut free table mm-hmm. with all his other friends. But as he kind of got more comfortable, he realized you know I, I I can go sit with the other kids. I'm big enough now, and he, so he went and started doing that until he realized his friend Benias was the only kid sitting at the peanut table. Hmm. And so he actually started to go back and sit with Benias at the peanut-free table because he saw a stu- another kid who felt alone, who felt that um, he was different. And my son had the empathy to recognize that this is someone I, I, I want to go be with. And mm-hmm. I, I thought that was just a re- – and so when I heard him tell me that story, we celebrated that because I want, I want to build that into my son, this idea of you care for those who are around you. You look to the needs of other people before the needs of yourself. He totally wanted to sit at the regular table with, with all of his other friends, but he saw a kid who needed a friend. Mm-hmm. And so he went and he was that for that kid. And I wish, I mean, I'm 34 and I don't know if I have that kind of empathy and self-awareness. <laughs> so I, I wanted to celebrate that yeah. with him. And, and the more I celebrate those things in my son, the more he's going to develop those habits. And that's what we need to do with all of our kids, no matter what age they are, is mm. if we celebrate the things that they're doing well, they'll continue to repeat those because everyone loves to be praised for things. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing about that, it seems to change over time where in elementary school, they 
kids seem to possess more social awareness. But then mm-hmm. when, like you were talking about, when they get into middle school and high school, they become so self-conscious mm-hmm. that they lose social awareness to recognize, hey, there are other people who need a personal touch or a demonstration of care and kindness uh, in their space. And so helping our kids become more socially mindful mm-hmm. of those around them, because it just seems to be we, we become more self-centered as we age. Mm-hmm. And then when we hit adulthood, some brain waves or brain pathways have kind of been established that we have to dismantle to remember that there are other people in the world. (laughs) So helping our kids see people around them instead of just, I don't like this, this is hard, this is challenging for me, put yourself in someone else's shoes and be mindful of that. What would you say for parents? So my daughter, she's 17. She's a senior at Rocky River. And out of my three children, I have an 11 and 10-year-old as well. She's probably the most antisocial. And when I say that, not so much that she doesn't like talking to people, but she's she's had a problem uh, with friendships, mm-hmm. with genuine friendships. And so this summer she went to New Zealand and she was very apprehensive because she said, mm-hmm. I, I know I don't know anyone there. You know, I'm not going to know anyone on the trip. It was over about 50 students. And the, f- the first day when they get on the flight, uh, someone pretty much had a fear of flying. And so she didn't know this individual, but she saw that they were really just in panic mode mm-hmm. and she consoled them. And throughout the trip, she just had various experiences of, of you know, I don't know this person, but I see they having a hard, they they're having a hard time dealing with, you know, whether it be the travel, whether it be the different food, whether it be uh, the different, you know, uh, relig- religious religious beliefs mm-hmm. over in a different country. And so she she found those different opportunities to, you know, really just uh, sacrifice her her comfort zone and, and to help someone else. And when she came back and told us those different lessons, the first thing my wife and I said, like, this is why we wanted you to go, mm-hmm. because that, that that's the world. The world yeah. is not a, a bubble. The world is not isolation. That's mm-hmm. not the world. Even her, uh, she's working the Foot Locker, and we're like, we're, we're high fiving each other. We said, because this is going to help your social skills. Because, yeah, yeah. like you said, you know, so many times, you know, I, I, especially at the teenage age, it's more comfortable for them to kind of isolate themselves and like you said you know they're so self-conscious about what they have on and uh you know and it's funny that that you mentioned that because at that teen age you 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 put what people think is paramount Mm -hmm. you know however you easily set back and get into your own bubble Mm -hmm. and so you care about what people think Mm -hmm. but you really don't want to interact with anyone right and so you know and so as parents i think it's important to as we mold and shape our children to to show them the benefit of getting outside that comfort zone the benefit of going to reach different people Mm -hmm. uh that don't look like you and even if they i mean because a lot of times you know like you said the people in our own community Mm -hmm. we have family members that we don't even talk to sometimes Mm -hmm. and so one thing that we try to push is really you know uh even you know uh is that you know you never know when you're going to need someone mm-hmm. you 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 we, we we all need each other in every walk of life you don't go to church by yourself you don't go to corporate america by yourself you don't go to the uh doctor's office by yourself people are always going to be there and so mm-hmm. it's best to learn how we can uh better adapt ourselves and better you know work together you know uh not only like i said not only just pushing the faith but just uh, practical you know things that help us out throughout mm-hmm. life other thing, too, is I think too often we get so caught up in navel-gazing and looking at our own issues, like you were saying, yeah, we fail to develop yeah. that empathy, that when we do that, everything seems heightened. Everything seems worse than what it really is. Yeah. And when we begin to develop empathy for others and look around 
and carry other people's loads, our load doesn't seem as heavy. Um, Paul Paul talks about that we are each responsible for our own burden, mm-hmm. but then at the same time, we are to pray for each other and carry each other's load. Mm-hmm. It's this weird kind of uh, dichotomy in Scripture where it's you've got these things you're responsible for, but there's also things you're not meant to carry. Mm-hmm. And when we rally around each other as believers, as neighbors— the things we go through seem easier, mm-hmm. those, those burdens we carry. And if we can model that for our kids, if we can show our, our children that, that we're not going through this life alone, that we're open and willing to seek the help of others and we're willing to um, have, and we're willing to help other people as well without any hope of recompense or, or any kind of um, reimbursement. Like we just, we just wanna show the gospel and show the grace of Jesus to our neighbors and show to our people around us they begin to develop those habits as well. And that, that just helps those normal teenage stressors feel not as big because they begin to recognize, one, I'm not alone, mm. but two, I'm not the only one who's going through this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's why it's so, that neighboring aspect is so important to yeah. how we live life in community with one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something that Byron said that's kind of helping clarify what you mentioned about they are super socially aware of what their friends think of them or what their friends are doing to fit in. So the conversations that parents are having, what are we prioritizing in our conversations? What are we placing value on? Is it self-image? Is it personal success? Or is it looking out for the needs of others, serving others before you serve yourself, outdoing, uh, or what is it um, Paul's teaching about, outdoing one another and showing honor, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. It's like, what do we end up valuing? Well, in such a competitively driven culture that just elevates the winner Mm -hmm. and forgets the one who's lost or been left out, as parents, we can kind of validate the behaviors that we've seen, like you're saying, Troy, about celebrating, but also what they catch parents discussing or relative discussing as the things of value in life. Mm-hmm. Kids are nosy. They're going to pay attention a little bit like, what are mom and, dad, mom and dad talking about? And then catching your kids doing the good thing mm-hmm. or being a good neighbor. Mm-hmm. So talk through um, how YCI encourages students to be good neighbors. Like what happens in those clubs and those Bible discussions and things like that that sends them out to live out what they're learning. Where our clubs are really geared towards about, uh, you know, bringing someone with you. A lot of times you'll see at the conclusion of the club, we'll say, hey, don't forget to go grab a neighbor. Don't forget Mm -hmm. to go grab your friends and bring them to the next session. You know, because our, our, our desire is, you know, we may start in the classroom, but we want to see a football stadium full. Mm. You know, we, we want to see just how it looks like on Friday Night Lights. Mm-hmm. We want to see that many students come yeah. together glorifying God. Mm-hmm. We want to see the gymnasiums filled. One of the, the great experiences I have is uh, at Hickory Ridge. You go there anytime and you're talking about 100 plus kids mm. in the morning before school. Mm-hmm. Devotion. Yeah. worship, you know, praising God, you know, right before the day starts. It, it, and those are the sites that we want to see across the board. And so we commission our students, you know, this gospel is not for us to hoard to ourselves, yeah, yeah. but it's to spread, you know, throughout your school. And hopefully, you know, when they st- spread through the school, then they'll go to the, you know, to the movie, mm-hmm. you know, to the theater, to the amusement parks. And, you know, it'll just keep on going. It'll be a ripple effect like a pebble in a pond. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we want our students to do is just continue to, you know, not hoard it, you know, have a great experience, but share that experience with someone else. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the first thing we, we want to help students recognize is, is if they can first see their own identity in Christ, that they are, are sinners saved by, by a gracious and loving God who has is, who is taken on the burden of their sin, who has adopted them as sons and daughters, that is the one identity they have. 
and then teaching them to recognize that that same identity is the one that every single person who walks through the hallways of their school needs to understand because every single person is loved by God was was their sins were paid for by by the sacrifice of Christ mm-hmm. and is in desperate need of a savior and a relationship with Jesus and so um, the idea of club isn't just to to grow it and have it be be big for its own sake but it it's to be a safe place for students to have maybe their first experience with with the gospel. Um, so many students we work with live in a post-Christian era, and so coming to church might be a, a scary thing for them to do on the first time, but they're used to being in the classroom. Mm. And so it's a good first step to help get a, get a non-believing student into a, a local congregation where they can be fed and poured into for, for a lifetime. Yeah. And so we want students to know their identity and then feel that burden of sharing the gospel. Um, the one, Prophet Isaiah talks about how uh, the gospel is, the word of the Lord is like a fire in his bones and he just can't help but speak it to get it out. And like, that's the same kind of fervor and passion we want our students to have. Like when they recognize their own sinfulness and their need for Jesus, they just have to get it out because mm. everyone around them is dying to know about it yeah. and they don't even realize it. Mm. And so we, we train our students in how to share their faith. We want to make club a fun place where a kid who can walk in and maybe not have any frame of reference for the gospel, but go, you know what? This was fun. Like this mm-hmm. was worth getting up at, you know, our <laughs> earliest club meets at 630 in the morning and we have students show up to this thing. Like yeah. I was in high school. I wasn't getting up at 630 to go uh-huh. to school, but like we have students who've built club where it's fun and engaging and even non-Christians want to come there, but they're also going to get fed the truth of the gospel and learn that God has a plan and a purpose for their life. And then we're going to spend time praying over you. We're going to spend time um, developing friendships, real relationships, and then we're going to go and we're going to serve our community. We're going to serve this school um, to be a, a physical manifestation of the gospel. Yeah. I want to add something. So I, I got an email today from uh, Dana Anderson. She's the uh, school nurse at Mallet Creek. Hmm. And her email and the email thread to some of the group leaders at that club Thank you all for being so bold in your faith. Love you all. Hmm. Those students are setting the pace Mm -hmm. for that spiritual boldness on that campus. And that's what we want. Like, you know, if you think about every school campus, the student body is the largest group of that school. And so it's it's paramount that they, they are the ones to lead. Yeah. To, and, and that's your opportunity to lead. Yes, we know that in a classroom setting, the teacher is the head and, you know, the students are the pupils under, uh, underneath that. But uh, this is the opportunity with YCI where students can really set the tone for that school. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times, you know, not only the students, but as we said earlier, even the teachers, you know, don't really know how to express themselves. And so when you see the students leading, the, the you know the, the the campus takes the life of those students leading and so the more you have standing in their faith and not being you know fearful not being uncomfortable and be able to rise and say you know I stand for Christ it, it, it's, it's a powerful thing an opportunity to really you know change the the, the the culture not only the school district but of the city and the state is really in the hands of the student yeah it really is I mean they hold the future and we know the youth for our future and uh and that's what we just love about our YCI clubs is mm-hmm. that you know that's the one space uh or one of the space you know on, on the school campus Campus where you really are are setting the tone. You can set the tone for the day. I was at uh, Garinger the other day, and one of the things that I said with the students are, you know, you may have that that teacher that you you know really don't vibe with. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a space where you can come, you can pray, you can pray about it. You know, because teachers sometimes have bad days. You know, it, or it may, maybe you be the pro- maybe you are the problem. You can say, hey, you know, God, you know, show me what I'm doing wrong. You know, mm-hmm. guide my tone, guide my body language. This is a place where you can really set the tone for the day, so every day can be a great day. Yeah, we know this is door. This is 
day the Lord has made. But sometimes when we get up with a bad attitude, we we somehow we mess up that thing. And mm-hmm. so this is a space where you can get it right. This is a space where I may have had a riff with a student the previous day. We can get it right here. Yeah. You know, I had a student tell me about, um, uh, I think it was at, a, I can't remember what school, but she, her grandmother uh, was uh, on her deathbed. And then her uh, one of her best friends had some kind of brain issue. And she just felt the weight of the world. Mm-hmm. And she said, why am I here? We sat in the front of the classroom, me and four of the students, and prayed right then and there. Mm-hmm. She weeped, wiped her eyes, went to class. Mm-hmm. Like that, We, we want right. to see that type of release. Right. So now, midday, you're not having that bad day because you've been you know, harboring these feelings throughout that day. But you, you were able to get it out, give some uh, some godly counsel, and you know now you can have a, a great day. And so now what are, what's, what's happening? is we're setting the atmosphere for a good learning environment and so it's not always you know the, the spiritual benefit but even a practical benefit and so now you know instead of students coming in stressed out and the teacher stressed out we're setting the tone for the day so that the school environment you know is, is one that's conducive for learning yeah that's incredible and I can hear cars pulling off to the side of the road, getting on their search browser, <laughs> stopping the treadmill just to go, I got to find out more about YCI. I got to get my kids involved because of the incredible work that you're doing. Hopefully just, it just fills our listeners with this hope that, that lives are being changed and the gospel is making its way through mm-hmm. the cracks and under doorways, you know, and through ceiling tiles into the lives and classrooms mm-hmm. of our local schools. And nothing could be more exciting uh, because where there is greatest resistance. I think that's where God's power demonstrates mm-hmm. in some of its most profound ways that just kind of blow our minds. So, mm-hmm. uh, Troy, why don't you tell our parents how they can find out more about YCI, if it's at their kid's school, how we can get a club started at the school, what do they need to know? So the main way to get a hold of us is just go to our website, yciclubs.com. And from there, we've got our browser that um, can show you how to find a club. If you hover over the Find a Club tab, it'll pull up our international clubs and our U.S. clubs. Click our U.S. clubs, and it'll take you to a a list of all 160-some-plus of our schools. And you can just search by name and find it that way. Um, Another way you can get a hold of us is yciclubs.com backslash connect. That'll take you to a page where you can register your student or yourself as a parent to learn more information. And one of our staff members will reach out to you within 48 hours to help you get connected either at a current club or help you you and your students start a club at your school. That's awesome. That's a great thing to be involved in. I definitely want to add something. When you were talking about how uh, so many of our listeners probably listen and probably say, you know, I thought we couldn't pray in school. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm very anxious when I hear that because, you know, it's an opportunity to say, well, no, that's not totally true. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's student led and that student initiates that, mm-hmm. it's whatever they want. Yep. It's whatever they want. And we know there's various uh, uh, different variations of clubs within our schools. And a lot of times as believers, we don't know that we can have that club. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I was presenting a club the other day and the assistant principal walked past and said, you know, uh, well, my son goes here. You know, can he? Can they have the club there? I said, you sure can. Uh-huh. Give me your son's name, and we'll link up, and I'll show him the steps on how to do it. Yeah. And so it can be done. Yes, they have made a lot of changes within the government, but it can be done. Yeah. It can be done. So don't think that's great to that's reassure. Yeah, yeah it can listeners. be done. Yeah. So if your son, your daughter wants to have a club on their campus, they can do it. We mm-hmm. can bring you Krispy Kreme donuts and Chick Fil A. <laughs> we do it seriously. We do it all. We we use food as bait because uh-huh. kids love the food. Yeah. So yeah. we use the food as bait. Fish and love. Donuts and chicken, you know, that's, what's the difference? <laughs> well, let's wrap up with just a vision for uh, schools impacted by the Great Commandment, this love God, love people. What's, what's going to happen? What do you guys see? I definitely see, uh, like I said, a, a generational shift. 
Um, it's it's I guess it, I invite and implore all, all to come see one of our clubs so you can really see. Uh, we 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 see so many negative things about especially this generation of youth. Yeah. And uh, definitely, there's been a lot of changes, uh, but there's nothing new under the sun. But just to see kids. Uh, really just living for Christ, mm-hmm. not being pushed by adults, but doing it on their own. Yeah. I mean, that, that that's the beauty of it. There's no one behind them saying, hey, no, no, go do it and, and mm-hmm. say this and read that and, you know, do this and do that. No, they're doing it on their own, yeah. mm-hmm. doing it on their own. You know, uh, the scripture says, you know, to work out your own salvation. That's what these kids are doing. And so to see them lead the way and it may look different. It may look different from church in 1980 or 1990 mm-hmm. or 2000. Right. It may look different. And it will look different, but as long as they're being guided by, guided by the Holy Spirit, the, the most important thing is that they're living for Christ. Mm-hmm. And so um, we, we, we look forward to seeing the transformation. We, we look forward to seeing something new and different, something fresh. You know, his mercies and grace, grace are fresh every morning, mm-hmm. and that's what these kids are delivering every morning. So uh, we definitely look forward to the, uh, to, uh, to the shift and seeing, you know, what God is doing in them. Like I said, you know, it's it's going to look a lot different from, you know, tradition or maybe it was something they were used to. But uh, just to see the glorification of God and transparency yeah. to see these kids, you know, share their faith, you know, uh, not only uh, with boldness, but uh, in a celebratory way, proud to say, you know, that I serve Christ, mm-hmm. uh, our Lord and Savior. And so yeah. uh, definitely looking forward Church to Church can happen in a school. There you go. It is not restricted to a go. building. Mm-hmm. You know, it can happen anywhere. It's the people. Yep. That's good. So I'm a numbers and data guy. I work in operations, so uh, he's I adjusting lo- his glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, so I just, uh, heart of a pastor, but head for figures. So uh, research we've done over the last few years shows that um, this generation that's currently in school is what's being called Gen Z right now. Mm-hmm. They they are the second largest generation in American history. Um, they're also the the least religious of all. Um, I think 40 percent of Gen Z claims no faith whatsoever. Um, and some people would look at that and think that's a despairing thing. I think of it as a huge opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be 52 – in the year 2020, there will be 52 million students in the public school system. So when I look at that, what I see is I see the biggest mission field yeah. in American soil yeah. right in yeah. front of us. And, and I love foreign missions. I think they're a vital piece of what we do as a church to go and preach the gospel to all nations – but I want to encourage students to not just go to Guatemala, not just go to Mexico, not mm-hmm. just go to Chicago for a week and, and work at a food pantry or build a church or, yeah. or do VBS. I want to encourage students to look from August to May as their nine-month mission trip, mm-hmm. as they have, they have nine months where God has called them to this place and that this is where God has them and there is a mission field around them and the harvest is ripe. Mm. And I want to see students winning students with the gospel. Yeah. That, that is my hope and my prayer for this generation, um, yeah. is that we will see we'll see Billy Graham's rising up uh-huh. out of this generation yeah. in a way that we've never yeah, seen God's before. God's not done. No, you he's know? not close. And, he's getting yeah. started, man. Yeah. I, I think Derwin Gray has said it before, that wherever your feet are is your mission field. Mm. Yeah. So that's the that, cr- that crazy tile at it's like in every school. It's just school tile, yeah. you know. Mm. Wherever so it's f- an actual color, cr- crazy. Cr- it's like <laughs> Christian cream in a lot of churches. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the other thing is like just like you were saying, the local schools are some of the most unreached people groups. Mm-hmm. But we put that on foreign nations mm-hmm. all over the place. But you know, just like your stats gave, so in the way that we love people is how we demonstrate our faith yeah. in God. Well, guys, thanks so much for sharing your time and your passion, and the work that you do is really, really good work for the kingdom of God. So let me say a prayer as we wrap up our time. Mm -hmm. 
Heavenly Father, uh, continue to do this amazing work through YCI, uh, through people like Byron and Troy, and the other club leaders throughout uh, the schools, both locally and internationally. God, we pray that um, more opportunities, please. Uh, I pray that principals would have their eyes and minds open uh, through the influence of the students at their schools, that teachers would be influenced by this, that their peers would be influenced, that homes would be influenced, cities, towns, neighborhoods, just as our our students take ownership of their faith. And I pray that parents would be inspired by this really good work and that we would not wait until students are grown up adults, but that we would believe in them now to know that they can follow after Jesus, live for him, and that you are the one transforming their lives along the way. So uh, do great things through this work, and all glory to God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Parent on, parents, you got this. Thanks for joining us for the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast, where we want to inspire parents to make faith in Jesus the priority in their families. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you showed your support by sharing, subscribing, and rating this podcast on iTunes. To watch our services live or find the campus nearest to you, visit foresthill.org.